Hello and welcome to this special Scottish Football Show podcast with title-winning Dunfermline boss James McPeak. Just days after clinching the League One Championship, James reflects on the club's achievements and how he has grown as a manager. At a time when the role is proving so precious, McPeak describes the emotional and mental toll that comes with being sacked as a football manager and how he's used that to his advantage. Dunfermline will return to the Scottish Championship as League One champions after they demolished Queen of the South 5-0 at the weekend. It's been a sensational campaign from the Pars, which has seen incredible attendances this season. And I'm delighted to say we're also joined by their manager, Mr James McPeak. Hello, sir. Good weekend. Yeah, um, it was quieter than my, my last promotion and I soaked it up and great to have my kids here. Um, my wife and my kids at the game, the same with all the the players as well, because the last time, and for a lot of them, they've, they've had a wee bit of success through COVID where no families were there. So as good as it was winning a league, it was it was extra special, the fact that we had all our families there. And, and I, I had a, a slight headache on Sunday, but now I'm back to work. <laughs> it's obviously a, a feeling you've you've had before, but it's different, isn't it? Like, How do you compare the two? Well, this question was probably asked to me at the start of last week before we had won the league. Um, I'd have probably said it's similar, but winning a league is really special. Um, I think in, in that full full group, if you include the staff, and, and we've got staff in there, like Dave Mackay, for example, he's played 600 games, he's won a Scottish Cup, um, captain of a Scottish Cup winning team, but it's his first time he won in a league and there were only three players or, or three other people in that group that had won a league before. So it is a special occasion and it, it doesn't matter what level it's at uh, to go and win a league. Um, it's over 36 games, obviously. We managed it in 33. So to go and do that, and it's extra special, this one. It's over the course of a season. Yeah, the playoffs are great, but you're, you're fighting all the way to, and then you're still worried or whatever. And that's not to say we weren't worried or we were overconfident about winning the league, but just in front of the fans and I'm actually glad now we could have won it at Peterhead had had Montrose taken something against Falkirk but now and it's not just because it's done now but um, I'm really delighted that we did win it at home in front of a really good Dunfermline crowd Although you smashed my team 5-0 thanks very much <laughs> Well he's we're on a great to be fair to Marvin and his team what a great running for him True, true We were the last team to beat them down there at Palmerston and then I think they've won every game since so it was always going to be a tough game, but credit to, to the Dunfermline players, they made it pretty easy on the day. I was going to ask you about the fans, James, because you mentioned them there. Obviously, doing it at home, the fans have been so good this season, haven't they? I know one of the guys at um, when the Canaltras group, and they've really pushed on this season, haven't they, to help create that atmosphere? Oh, they have, Laura. It's been, honestly, it's been incredible. Um, something I didn't expect, I'll be honest. I've spoken about this in the press a lot. Any time I had been to Dunfermline, for Rende, it's familiar with it. You walk down the staircase when you got off the bus, you get into the way dressing room. You get back on your bus and away you go. Now, you always do know that they're, they're a passionate crowd when their team's going well. 
I've taken teams there before and I've played there before when it's been tough, but just seeing the, the support the crowd give us and in the backing and, and probably something I was a bit ignorant to is the fact it's now a city, but when I joined it was a town and there's only one club there. Um, I've not been used to that. Other clubs I've I've worked at, played at, there's been rivals in that that city, whether that be Hearts when I was at Hibs, whether it be Dundee United when I was at Dundee or even at Coventry where you had loads of rivals in the Midlands. So there were never really that that place. Coventry was maybe similar, but in terms of with the way the city has got behind the football team really surprised me in a really good way. And I was really proud of that as well and, and proud that we could send that that fantastic group away that, that were at the game. I'm really happy, but also knowing that we had so much support on uh, in Australia. Is it, it, Finley sitting there. We, we had people from all over the place sending messages and watching the game on Pars TV. So it certainly opened my eyes up to the football club and I'm delighted. For the fans in particular and, and that ultra ultras group, they, they, they're phenomenal. That The atmosphere they generate and, and I think that's credit to the football club and the owners as well because they brought in things in place that made the tickets cheaper for the younger kids and, and seeing the next generation of them family fans coming through and the noise they make is just... It's brilliant. It's a, it's a proper atmosphere when when we get the place going. Something I've actually never really thought of, um, like asking like guys like yourself who have not long finished playing, but wouldn't have really experienced that sort of crowd because it is something that's happened recently in Scottish football. It started to really build up in the last kind of few years. How much would you like that when you were playing to kind of play in front of that sort of crowd? Like uh, I've managed against it. Like when when I took a team to Ibrox and you've got the wee corner over there. I took a team to Celtic Park with the Green Brigade. I played there when the Green Brigade were were going. Motherwell, I've got the little corner over over that side that I played in front of as well. So Hibs have got the section, but nothing the way it is now and, and I think it's great for the game the atmosphere they bring and the drums are going and like I've got three young kids the, a three year old an eight year old and a nine year old and they love going to the football because the atmosphere so that, that just yeah. shows what what those sections at every club are bringing and, and for me it's fantastic and and I know all the, our owners are German and my brother was actually over at the St Pauli game this this week and, and they're they're obviously famous for it um, and the, he says the atmosphere they generated, but that was a full stadium. So, like, other countries are doing it, and and we're now we're now starting to pick it up in Scotland. And it's no, it's fantastic for the game, not just for Dunfermline, but for every club. And, and the more clubs that get it, the better, because you want to be going to grounds where you're whether you're the whole, whether you're going into a, a team's ground, and, and that atmosphere is there. It's great to coach in, and you're right. I just wish I had played in front of that. You, you're um, you're a month away from a full year in charge at Dunfermline, which has come about off the back of laterally quite a difficult time at Dundee. Do you feel like that experience changed you? Has it changed you much as a manager since since it all happened? Oh, massively. I think I must say I'm really proud along with my staff that worked at Dundee with me and two of them are at Dunfermline and Dave Mackay and Martin Hartley. We're really proud of the job we've done there. Now, people will have different opinions. That's football. Um, in the end... I lost my job and I still do believe that I would have done enough to to keep Dundee in the Premiership. Um, but, but we're proud, particularly of the younger players that are coming through and they're now all playing in the first team. We had them when they were 15. Now, it's, it's not down to us. I'm not saying I'm not taking the credit for that. Some of it I will take. 
because we gave them their debuts. We had them in the under-18s. Um, but I'm proud of that side in particular, probably more so than the promotion. Um, I'm proud mm. of seeing those young kids because that, that was my background really into coaching, was in the academy. Mm. I had a couple of great conversations when I did get sacked. One in particular was with Derek McInnes. And again, I'll just be brutally honest, I, I got sacked and I didn't want to go round to the wee Tesco that's two minutes from my house. I didn't want to bump into anyone. I didn't want to yeah. meet my neighbours in the street. And mm. it's when Derek phoned me and said, you need to get out and like you've done a good job. Don't be ashamed. And mm. I think he, he was doing it. And Derek's obviously experienced that. His time at Aberdeen, his time at Bristol City. And I'm not sitting here saying Derek's someone I speak to all the time, but I felt it was really good of him to... He picked the phone up and, and have that conversation. And from that, I went out, I'd done some media work. And then the other thing he told me to do was just reflect, go in, but in, in a way that, that probably isn't natural to human beings where you want to hear the good stuff. But I, I picked the phone up to the people closest to me in football and, and asked them what I'd done wrong. And I said, you need to be brutally honest with me. And there were a lot of that, trust me, <laughs> um, what I'd done wrong. And and, and that's one thing saying that um, and listening to it from people. But I, I kind of made a promise to myself that whatever I was told, I was going to assess it and then I was going to act on it and and try and become better. Um, I wasn't planning on getting back into management as quick as I did, but I was already working on that um, that side of it. There were a lot I got wrong. Um, and, and to be honest, I'm still a rookie manager. I've only managed, I think it's 148 games. So there's still lots I do get wrong, I'm sure. But I think I'm more a, I'm a more rounded person, never mind a more rounded manager for that experience. You can have all the experience you want as a player. Um, you can play in big games. You can have a 20-year playing career, experience injuries, relegations, cup wins, whatever it may be, cup finals, cup defeats in my in my. Unfortunately for me and my experience, but cup final defeats. Um, but no, I went away and I took the time to to reflect on that, but also get myself back out and and probably get ready being ashamed of that. Now, I feel bad saying it. I was ashamed when it's a game of football, but it was my job. It was it was what I was living for at the time in terms of our work. So. I was ashamed of getting sacked and, and I shouldn't have been, but I got out and I met people. I went to games, took a lot of games in and, and watched some stuff. And then probably the biggest thing for me, I spent a lot of time with my kids yeah, because mm, I, I felt lovely. that neglect is a is probably the wrong word to use because I, I don't want to say I neglected my kids um, and, and it comes across the wrong way, but I didn't spend enough time with them. I think my, my youngest was born while I was a manager of Dundee. Um, we had a game. I, thankfully, I missed that game because I don't think my wife would have let me miss, uh, let uh, <laughs> let that go if I hadn't missed the game. And yeah. and Dave couldn't manage to win that game in the Betfred Cup at the time. So I, I bring that up to him quite often. But spent a lot of time with them. And then I went and got surgery. So I had, I had a lot of time to think about the bad stuff, really. I wasn't too interested in the good stuff because I knew at some point I would I would then look at that. Um, I never got the chance to look at it because I was back in so quickly, but I, I was glad I'd done it that way and I feel I'm better. Yeah, I know I'm not talking myself up, but I've, I've got some players that I'm, I'm working with that I worked at Dundee with as well in terms of Sam Fisher was on loan, Paul McGowan, the staff that and, and Martin and David who I, and Dave who I spoke about and and I, I same the difference. Like I'm, I'm not looking for compliments. I'm, I'm more looking for is there anything better I can change, or have I changed enough? Do I need to change again? Yeah. 
And and it's been pretty positive. There has been bad days. I'm not going to sit here and say I've been I've been perfect since I left Dundee. There has been bad days, but the experience certainly has helped me. Um, and now looking back, it's probably the best thing in terms of my management career that's happened to me. It's really fascinating to listen to you explain all of that because in this podcast we're actually we've had a debate <clears throat> kind of how Scottish football kind of deals with its managers. Um, we've just seen at the weekend, Callum Davidson's lost his job at St Johnston, and it's it is difficult. And what you've just detailed there is the the ups and downs. And in a way, you've said yourself, um, it could have been one of the best things to happen to you. But there are so many nuances in all of this where families involved. It's all consuming football. It's amazing. But one thing I'd like to touch on is just the people that you've that you ended up. Um, entrusting with some information and whatnot and bringing them to to Dunfermline. It's all about you, you've you've built a strong net, a strong network of uh, of friends that you work with and the squad. And how much have you enjoyed building that this season? Yeah, that that was really important, and I do believe we had that at Dundee as well. Um, we had a we had a great group there of players that that we felt were, and that's probably the reason why I'm I'm not adamant, but that's probably the reason I'm so confident we would have kept them up. Because the players were the players were still with us. You hear the the cliche all the time. You've lost the dressing room. You've lost this, that. And I don't believe in that. Um, some people will, but maybe I don't believe in it because I don't think I've experienced it yet. But that that team at Dundee had had just went to Tynecastle. And apart from Celtic and Rangers, at that season were the only team to win at Tynecastle. Um, we were just in the quarterfinals of the or one to get into the quarterfinals of the Scottish Cup. So the players. The players were still playing. Players, as much as people say players can down tools, yeah, maybe some, but players have also got their their motivation. They want their they want to progress their career. They want to earn their bonus money. They want whatever it may be. They want to get to Hamden for a semi final. So yeah. they want to stay in a league. So I didn't quite agree with that that side. Or I don't agree with it when you hear when a manager does leave or he's lost the dressing room. That's just my opinion on it. Um, but. In terms of the, the staff I brought, it, it was really critical when I went into Dunfermline that, and that was it was a risk from me actually. Now looking back, when when the owners came to my house to meet me, that and in no uncertain terms, I says I need Dave Mackay with me and I need Martin Hartley with me. Now I wasn't in a position really; I had been sacked what eight or nine weeks earlier, so my stock wasn't high where I, I could go in and demand certain things. But I knew to do the job properly and to give myself the best chance and to give probably Dunfermline the best chance under us, mm-hmm. then I had to have those two with me. So I believe in that. And, and probably the reason I believe in it so much is that they're not afraid to tell me when I'm wrong. And and I think that's so important. Um, and they probably tell me that every week um, <laughs> or every day, actually, three or four times. So I think that's healthy. I, I, I've been in dressing rooms. I've been in clubs where you maybe have a manager and the assistant manager just agrees with everything they say the coaches agree with everything they say and even as a player I didn't agree with that I always thought that the not so much confrontation but whatever you want to call it that the debate is so important because you sometimes you get blinkered with with a certain player a certain way of playing that and and you just go with it so I, I believe you need people that you can you can trust wholeheartedly to back you but also to to go against you in terms of privately when when they think you're doing something wrong. And that's what those two do. I've been very fortunate as well at Dunfermline that 
my first day, Dave was still an employee Dundee, so we had to we had to work a wee bit to get him out of there um, by <laughs> hooker crook, and we managed to do that. So I met somebody, Gary Montiani, Monty, who worked with John Hughes. He's worked at the club for years, and just to to put a bit of con- context into this story, I was in a straight leg knee brace, like I, I couldn't drive. I needed people to carry my wash bag. I needed people to carry my <laughs> laptop bag, and the only person that was there the first day was was Monty and the relationship I've since built with him. He's now part of that group, so it's it's fantastic. And I never believed that I could probably add people to that group because I'm I'm one of those people that that keeps everyone or anyone that gets close. Then I need to trust them wholeheartedly. And Monty's shown that we can do that with him, and he's been a massive party as well. And then you add on Mo, the kit man, everyone. It's just it's clicked <laughs> for us for some reason. It's just it really has clicked, and and it's a fantastic place to work and. And that's why I think we're all enjoying it so much. I, I just need to say quickly, James, if it's any consolation, my my granddad, who's 92 years old, lifelong Dundee fan, he was absolutely raging when uh, when they got rid of you. Nah, you're was, just saying that. You? I'm not, I'm not. I took him, actually, interestingly, to see, uh, to see the game against Motherwell when Laura was actually still working at Motherwell so she was freezing <laughs> freezing her, her bum off on the sidelines uh, capturing all the stuff but it was a game that, that Dundee won 3-0 and and they were brilliant like I just and my granddad was just like he, oh he was buzzing anyway because he hadn't been to the football for a long time watching the team that day I was just like you know they might not get a result every week but there was more than enough going on that I was like you'd be confident to stay up it just it blew my mind and my granddad was absolutely raging so if, if he's a kind of a uh, a cross section of the support, then it, just if that's any consolation. But it it's turned out very much, you know, kind of Dundee's loss has, has been Dunfermline's gain, and you know it's just it's been such a sensational season. Just looking forward to to next year going up. You've you know you've already got the experience of having managed not just in League One, not just in the Championship, but at the top level as well. Do you feel going into next season you'll be prepared for that? That your experience. As a manager so far, albeit you know you're a relatively young manager, will stand you in good stead and the team in good stead. And you are you already putting those kind of those things in place for a really good season in the championship next year with Dunfermline? Well, first and foremost, thank your granddad for that because I, <laughs> that's that's lovely to hear, and I'm glad yeah. we could make him happy that day. Sorry, Laura, for you that day. <laughs> that excellent. Um, no, look, I, I think we've got a lot of players in in our squad at the minute that. I've played in the championship. Craig Whiten's won the championship a couple yeah. of times. Kyle Benedict yeah. has won it. So there's enough experience here. So so even without talking about me, I think we're we're pretty well equipped to go up to that league and and do okay. Now that's the aim at the start. We want to go up and do okay. We said that in this league, and that's where our owners are for me are really good. That they sat in my house and at the start I didn't believe them because they're saying there's no pressure to get promoted, there's no pressure. We don't even want to speak about promotion. We just want to win games. We want to get back to being a football club that that win games. And and I, when they walked out, I'm kind of thinking, it's Dunfermline, they're in League One, and are they really telling the truth? And we've not really had a bad patch to to see that, but I've had enough conversations with them now that that I, that I do believe them. Um, in terms of my experience, yeah, I think it is going to help. Um, Dave's obviously there as well so the two Martin's here so the two A's have done it in terms of getting a team out of that league but that doesn't make it easy we know that it's a tough tough league as has League One been this year I think it's a really good standard this year with the, with the teams that are in it Airdrie are excellent Yeah. Um, when they're on their day they can hurt any team Falkirk are 
in the semi-final of the National Cup. So <laughs> it just shows you the quality they've got. Brian Rice yeah. is a fantastic coach and manager that's got Aloha playing some really good football and will trouble anyone in the playoffs when when which I think they, they get that confirmed pretty soon. So going into the league, it certainly helps me know it because yeah. I can say that because I was worried about coming into this league because I didn't know it. I spent two and a half years, it would have been free if COVID hadn't hadn't come in. So that, that season was obviously cut short. Um, and it's a tough, tough league, but I do think experience in the league helps. That's not to say, I mean, you look at Dundee and Gary Boyer's never experienced the, the championship and he's doing well at Dundee. So it's not to say it's a be all and end all, but yeah. I've taken a team to, to Greenock in, a, in November when it's freezing. I've, <laughs> I've done the same at Ayr. Like, so all, all those wee things that you know what to expect are both like we've had that and to be fair to our players as well when we played Partick Thistle in the Scottish Cup we lost in penalties in my opinion we should have been out of sight um, beat our broth in the SPFL Trust Trophy 5-1 yeah it was 5-1 went up to Dundee and for 80 minutes in that game we were very much in the game so that's three games um, in isolation, really. So you, you can't judge that. We've got 36 of them next year in the Championship, potentially mm-hmm. more, not, not knowing what happens if if you end up in the playoffs. Now, that's that's just a big dream and, and we'll see what happens. But no, I think it does help. And I think managers you've seen in the past that have been in that league, like Robbie Nielsen, for example, has won it with Hearts twice. He's won it with Dundee United. So I think there's an element of that as well when, when you've got managers that go in there that are that are used to that league, that know that league, then it can certainly help. And and on the other side of that, when I went into the Premiership uh, with Dundee, I'd only played in that league. I'd never coached or managed or set a team up in that league. So I know how hard that was. So I'm looking forward to getting into a league that that I know, but I'm, I'm under no illusion that it's, it's going to be easy. And just because I've been in that league and got out of that league before, then it's going to happen again. Unfortunately, that's not the way it works. <laughs> no, plans are in place where... We started that in January, not just for for the championship, but just to progress them further and athletic as a football club. We've been trying to get pre-contracts done. We've been trying to tie up yeah. the players we feel can help us on the journey. And and I think we'll be okay in the league next year. You talked about the, the ownership. I'm really intrigued by what the dynamic is with the ownership. It's really interesting, really, having a, like German owners and people when working in different sports as well, being part of all of that, um, and then being interested in Dunfermline. It's quite fascinating. But how have you found having that sort of relationship um, compared to ones in the past? And how is it working for you? Well, to be fair, at Dundee, the, the owners are American. One of them does stay in in Scotland, though, and, and Tim, who who was always excellent with me, he's in, in Austin, Texas. So, but the... the they weren't as involved as the ones that I'm not saying that's a good or a bad thing. I'm just mm-hmm. giving giving the story. But the ownership have they've been excellent. Um it, it's a it is it is a strange dynamic. We've got a an Olympian water polo player, I believe. I hope I'm not <laughs> get that or a polo player that's part yeah. of the consortium. Uh, we've got Thomas, who was a fantastic player in his day with St. Pauli, Manny St. Pauli was a sporting director. Um, we've got Nick, who, in his own right, is a, a very, very successful businessman. And, it, and then the rest that I'm not wanting to trip up here and miss someone out. The rest that I've been, I've met them all, but they've been very supportive when they've been over. And then David, who is uh, 
the CEO and the chairman of the club is a Dunfermline fan. So there's a mix of everything there, but the yeah. the relationship's great. And and one thing that they're very clear on, and and I know it might come across it's easy to say because things have went well, but even at the very start, that they were kind of they gave us a lot of confidence in the fact that they say we expect bad runs, we expect bad times, but but what we want to do is is kind of press the reset button and, and build this football club now. However, I build it back, however long it takes, and that's that's why I go back. I go back to what I said there. They never said we need promotion. They never said anything like that. Um, all they've ever said is what I said: get show that we can win games, try and play a certain way of football, but. It's it, the relationships are great. The communication is fantastic. Um, I don't think I could speak to them anymore, even if they were in the club every day. Um, I probably speak to Thomas every day of the week. I speak mm. to da- who Thomas is in Hamburg. I speak to David, who's at the club, every day of the week. As does Dave. Nick's on the phone now and again, and and the relationships are they're, they're fantastic. That it's it's never a case of you you need to pick this player, you need to do this, you need to do that. We just have a conversation. They ask what the team is, how we're going to play. And I'd be a fool not to listen to Thomas's advice as well, because he's had a fantastic career. And, and I'm a young manager and I'm always trying to learn. I'm always trying to get better. So I love opinions. I love listening to other people and what their, what their thoughts on the game are. So no, the, the, the dynamic's great and the situation's great. The way they've helped me is great as well. It's been completely different from the way it worked at Dundee. I'm not saying different in a better way, but they, they deal with kind of... I'd only ever experienced Dundee, so they deal with all the contracts, they deal with everything in terms of... I give them the players that we want, yeah. we have the discussion, then they take everything away from me. I don't need to speak to agents, I don't need to do any of that kind of stuff. And then if we get the player, great. If it's above our... Our wage structure, then it just isn't to be for Dunfermline Athletic. But no, the, the relationships have been really good, and I'm just I'm delighted that, that myself, Dave, and the rest of the staff and the players could repay the the board and the the owners with with a wee bit of success. One person everyone loves in Scottish football is Jim Leishman. He's an absolute legend. How has has he been in touch? He has. Well, when I signed for Livingston when I was 17, 16 or seventeen, when I went full time, uh, Jim was a manager. Ah. Um, he's forever telling me that. <laughs> He got them promoted and then promoted again. Um, but I, I took a lot of took a lot of pride in telling him the other week I was at a dinner with him that I had beat his his unbeaten record. So <laughs> that's one record I've taken from him. But he's an absolute legend at Dunfermline Athletic and what he's done there. He's there every every home game. He's at almost every away game as well. He loves the club and he's someone I've got on with since I was 16, 17. So no, he's still about his stories are still great. <laughs> Although he repeats them now and again. Yeah. <laughs> Tells me how often he scored about that winning goal at, at Ibrox for Dunfermline and, <laughs> and stuff like that. But no, he's an absolute legend at that football club and he's a big part of it still. So you've taken a record off him, but you'll you'll be taking street names off him next and you'll be the provost of Dunfermline in no time. Well, I'm a miles away from that, but no. <laughs> Jim can keep that. Um, he's too good. For, uh, he's too good to to give that up. But no, I'd like to chase another few of his records. That would be nice to to rub that into him. But no, there's the plenty of records that, that Jim holds up at the club. He was fantastic for Dunfermline. If you want to listen to more of this sort of thing, leave a wee review on the platform you listen to all your favourite podcasts. 
But that's it for another Scottish football show. Bye for now. <laughs>